You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 12. Back in the books. So, how, uh, well, this last past week, how were you running? So, I have something kind of strange to tell you this last week. I actually ended up doing pretty, making a pretty deep run in a tournament. That's the first tournament you've done in a long, you are not a tournament player at all. So, that's, uh, that's really weird for me, for you. I guess let's get right into that tournament talk, because that's kind of the, the thing that's different this week. So, I had... I had to go to jury duty early in the morning that same day. So I had to switch to days because uh, we both work overnights. And I was super tired because I woke up too early and I didn't really want to go play cash. I was like, well, where can I go to play a tournament? Or I was thinking, well, I could maybe go play a tournament, like a little bit of a cheaper buy and kind of relax. And, um, you know, the free rolls, you kind of bust out early often. So I was like, you know, I can go maybe play for a few hours and, kind of have fun relax and then go home and go to sleep and um so i ended up going to paramount's free roll and i was planning on meeting some you and some people from work but everything kind of fell through so i ended up showing up right at seven and um so i guess as you know the free rolls they kind of get pretty packed yeah i love that you went and did this because this is something that i used to love to do that i never see you do at all because we, we both know I started out playing the free bar poker way back when, and then would do these cheap tournaments back when I really thought poker was not real beatable in Houston and just didn't know if I had the skills to do it in the long run. Uh, and I tell you what, like now we play mostly cash or two, it's, you know, just too profitable to be at a poker table and not getting, you know, your hourly rate for cash. But. It's so much fun to do a no-stress tournament and just ch- kick back, relax. You know, you want to win, but it's not that big of a deal if you don't because the buy-in's not that big. I'm really uh, excited that you did something like this because this is not in your wheelhouse usually. It's in my wheelhouse, but I don't almost ever see you do this. Right, well, and, I'll, and normally I'll go do it, you know, when we're meeting someone who doesn't normally play poker, which was my plan originally. That's true. So, you know, I bought him for 15 bucks. 10 of it was my daily uh, membership fee. So basically I bought him for five bucks. Um, start playing and um, not that many big hands of note. And I think we had like maybe seven tables, which is pretty full. And then that's a, that's a seems huge for that free roll. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's a ton of people here. And, um, so I guess I was just kind of chugging along, not basically about average stack most of the tournament. And then at the break, I always do the maximum add on the $40. And um, so I guess the blind started going up and I was just kind of getting whittled down over and over again. And I had kind of an interesting spot. Um, I get dealt pocket aces. And I'm probably just under average stack. And somebody raises, and it goes, call, 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 and they raise big. So, like, this is the perfect time to go over the top and go all in. Oh, absolutely. So, I go all in. So, so about how many blinds do you have? Mm, I did not have that many. I probably had maybe about 15 to 20. Okay, so, I mean, with a raise and call, 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 this is just an automatic shove, yeah. Well, and the thing is, the raise was so big... Mm-hmm. My all-in wasn't even double the raise. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, see. absolutely. But this is where the where it kind of comes into play. Um, Someone called my raise, the preflop raiser. Somebody else jammed all-in on top of me for quite a bit more, and then the other guy folded. And then it comes back to the original raiser. He folds. Oh, God, this is amazing for you. But he thinks about it forever in a day. Right? Mm-hmm. So I have pocket aces 
we end up he turns over ace deuce of diamonds right okay the flop comes it was two sorry not two it was three four six okay so he's got a gut shot to a five yes so then the um the guy to my right was like ah i folded pocket threes no right so he was thinking so i was like who dodged a bullet right no kidding the turn is a six and the river is a deuce right so it's basically any five made a straight oh wow the original razor had pocket fives. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, you just dodged every single bullet in the chamber right there, and especially off of somebody who I mean I don't know what his blind levels were, but I mean Ace Deuce shoving all in over the top of anybody is kind of kind of is super crazy. I mean you're that's definitely a free roll thing. So yeah, that, talk about lucked out because not only did you luck out not to have not having them suck out on you. But you had to have somebody decide just to shove all over you with Ace Deuce. And here's the other thing. Once that guy, because remember, that guy called my all-in, the original Razor. I was thinking he's never folding. I don't know. Without knowing the exact blind levels, I can't guarantee that that's never a fold. But... With the way the it seems like it was, it probably should not have been a fold. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking there was no way he was folding. Yeah, I mean, just with the, what the blind levels I'm thinking probably are, I mean, I just think it's probably a call because there's just too many things. I mean, it could be against ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack. Uh, yeah, there's just too much. But I'd, without knowing the exact blind levels, how much you had how much of the person that shoved over you had. It's kind of, I'm not, I'm hesitant to say for certain. So, I mean, that put me pretty, I was pretty deep stacked at that point. Relatively, right? After that, because okay. that was gigantic for me. Yeah. Uh, so now the tournament's going, I'm just playing very tight and just, you know, kind of relaxing, just biding my time, really. And then all of a sudden we're down, to three tables. I'm kind of getting shorter stacked and kind of maybe steal a pot here or there. But I'm still deeper than most of the people around me. So I was like, well, I can just, you know, kind of just wait and see what happens. And now we're down to two tables. I'm like, huh. I mean, I'm getting pretty short stacked now, but there's still people going all in. So I was like, all right, that's fine. And then we make it to the final table. And I'm by far and away the shortest stack. I mean... I'm probably at like three blinds, kind of short stacked. Yeah, those free rolls, it's very, I mean, you really should never be getting that short stacked, but it's those free rolls, the blinds go up so fast once you get to those later levels. Sometimes you just get stuck in this like hell where you really, you you almost don't have much of a choice. Yeah, and I was the big blind, and like you said, if you, you need to go all in before you can't pay the ante. Oh, yeah, that's a big, big one. A big mistake I see a lot of people make. So, when the big blind was coming, I was already counting out my chips to make sure I could pay the ante. <laughs> and whenever I counted it out, it was um, 25000 50000 But I also had the 50000 ante, so 100000 was going in the middle from me, right? Right. I had 150000 in my stack. Oh, damn. That's... Well, that's perfect right there. <laughs> well, I definitely wasn't thinking it was perfect for me, but... Well, not great, <laughs> but I mean, at the same token, I mean, the worst thing you can do is get that, like, Annie, where uh, where you win and barely... where you actually do take the, the pot down and barely come out above even. Because that Annie really kind of screws you if, in, that, in that scenario. So I'm like, well... This is basically it for sure. This is whatever hand I get here, I'm obviously all in with. Hope it's a good one, right? Absolutely. First card's an ace. Um, ace of clubs. I'm like, whew, this is great. Yeah, like any ace is a blessing right here. The next one is another black ace. I thought it was the same ace twice. Oh, then wow. I check uh, ace of spades, ace of clubs. I get pocket aces. 
on the one hand, I need to win very badly. Good God. Talk about just in the nick of time. <laughs> Got to go in all in no matter what. And you just happen to get pocket aces. Yeah, but I get called by like, I don't even think he looked at his cards like 6-3. And I hold. I mean. Yeah, you know. I mean, you, you're going in for, I mean, it's one <laughs> blind. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard to, you know, if they can knock you out. I mean, I assume almost everybody called, it seems like. No, it was heads up. It was heads up. Yeah, only one. Um, I think he um, he raised. Oh, uh, okay. He raised to kind of isolate yeah. you, and okay, I got you. So, um, I win that pot, right? And then I'm like, "Whew! All right, well." But if it was heads up, so you're still very short stacked after this pot, I would assume. Yes. Okay. About two or three hands later, I get dealt ace king. I mean, you're going all in again. So I went all in again. Same guy called. He had queen six suited. Flop comes queen high. I'm like, ugh. Here's the end of it. I had a good run. That was yeah. pretty cool. River the ace. Just <laughs> stay alive <laughs> at the final table. Because someone was saying how, someone had made a comment how short stacked I was at the final table. I was like, huh? I was like, you're about three blinds deeper than me, bud. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a... So then I win that hand. I'm like, well, this is going pretty good. And now here's the thing, which I was telling you is so interesting, is I'm still very short stacked, right? Okay. And we're still nine-handed and all nine people get paid. But people who are way deeper than me are going all in and getting called. And players are kind of dropping left and right here even though I'm about to bust, just get blinded out. So I actually go from ninth place to sixth place without really playing any hands. I was like, well, this is phenomenal. Oh, this is great. And I think this is a tournament strategy that a lot of people don't get. So back in the day of the tournament strategy, it was like every, everybody would kind of wait for the bubble. And then, you know, make sure they get paid and then, you know, wait uh, for like, you know, kind of wait it out and move up a pay jump. And then all these other tournament players took advantage of it and would make fun of them, you know, like for men cashing and be like, you know, this is a horrible way to play it. But I think it went over and above, especially like like tournaments where people don't really know. They know you're supposed to be more aggressive, but... They go so crazy with it. Sometimes, like you, sh you should be more aggressive. But if you're about to get a pay jump whatsoever, you actually have to use that strategy as well. Like what people were doing in the beginning went over. They went overboard with it, and now it's kind of swung back to where everybody is going way overboard being just insanely aggressive at times where they don't really need to be. Well, that was my thing. I was like, I can't believe people are... I was thinking I was going to be the one going all in over and over again, right? Because no one would go all in. Right. And I actually end up taking down another pot, and I'm actually no longer the shortest stack at the table. And now we're about... Um, I believe we're about five-handed. I get dealt pocket kings. Somebody who I cover just barely goes all in. He's been playing super tight this whole time. I call. He has pocket sixes. Kings hold. Yep. <laughs> so now we're down, I think it was like four-handed. And then um, I get dealt King Jack suited. And I raise and someone jams all in. I call... He turns over ace jack. I was like, oh. Does he does he have you covered? I have him covered, but just barely. I mean, we're basically even. Okay. Turn or I flop nothing. Turn the king. <laughs> oh, tournaments. Tournaments, man. <laughs> so I I uh felt him, right? Now it was um, three-handed and one of the other players busted right now it's heads up and I actually just barely covered the other guy by just maybe a blind or two and then he asked me if I want to chop 
Heads up. What are you doing here normally? Uh, as long as it's around a fit, as long as it's a fair chop, I'm taking it every time. Uh, and my theory is there's so much variance in these uh, situations. I just being the if you feel like you're, if I feel like I'm the better player, then everything I want to do is to reduce variance because variance would be on the side of the of the other player. So, you know, this could go either way. Uh, at this blind levels, I, like I say, I'm never taking a bad chop, but if it's a fair chop, a lot of times I will take it. Oh, I forgot to tell you, the guy I was heads up with was the guy who had jammed all in over the top of me with ace-deuce. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Probably no chop. I <laughs> said, no chop. <laughs> so I said, no chop, we'll play it out. Because, well, like, the whole theory is, if you always chop, you never really get any heads-up experience. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's, it's super true. Uh but here's the thing: if I'm if you're getting a fair chop all the time, I don't really I don't really need the one is like it's hard to get a heads up experience to the point where you're you're really gonna get that well practiced anyways. Because okay, if you're doing eighty if you're doing eighty people tournaments, then rightly you should be doing one out of forty times you're getting heads up experience. And then, let's say you're a little bit better than the average player. Okay, well then, one out of 30, 30, 35 times, you're getting heads-up experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of want that experience, but I feel like you can get it. I, if you want a lot of good heads-up experience, what you really probably should do is do, like, sit-and-goes or small, small tournaments. Because you're getting the same heads-up feel, but you're getting it way more often. Right, no, I've done those before, but I just, you know, I've never done heads up in a live tournament. We have the mountain of chips and stuff, and that's true, yeah. And it's so weird whenever you have that big mountain of chips, but it's really not that many blinds. Well, and not to mention, this is not like a tournament that's gonna make or break you at this point. So I mean, you know, the money's not gonna be gigantic one way or the other. So you might as well, if you're gonna go ahead and play it out, it might as well be this uh, a tournament of this size. Well, and the other thing is, okay, so I guess second place was 480 and first place was 780. Yeah. Right? I guess, you know, some minor detail of the tournament. And um, there was, I think it was 65 people in the tournament. And um, so we were heads up. I told him no chop. And the very next, the very first hand of heads up, I get ace jack. I raise. He goes all in. I call, he has pocket queens, I lose the first hand. Turns out, I need more practice. <laughs> well, I don't know. That, I think that's very results-oriented. I mean, ace-jack versus pocket queens are two monster hands. If the blind low, unless y'all are very well deep-stacked in the blinds, I think this is going to play itself out way, just a uh, ton of times. True, but if I would have flopped an ace, I would have told you I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you lose it's variance but when you win it's just you being a genius right <laughs> exactly that's what i was counting on but that was no aces there so so but here was something kind of interesting that we have talked about before um so at the end of the tournament i mean i'm not exactly the happiest fellow after saying no chop and then losing 10 seconds later i mean yeah you know, it sounds like a kind of an awkward situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't even get to sit down. So, um, but here's something that some people don't know is often at the end of tournaments, you tip the dealers, all the dealers, right? Because they're not getting tips like cash game, right? Right. And I never know how much to tip the dealers. I mean... I bought in for $55, right, with the $40 add-on, the $15. Okay. I won 480 right? Okay. I mean, I tipped $40. That seemed, that seemed reasonable, but I'm not – I don't really have any experience in how much you should tip, what what a good percent is. What is your – because I know you've actually made a few deep runs in tournaments – what have you seen with your experience? 
you know, I it seems like there's really no like set thing. Like I've seen people do way more and way less on certain ones. Uh I don't know. It, I guess around 10% maybe. But 10% seems I mean, it's a pretty big chunk of your winnings. I mean, on tournaments that are already very highly raked, if now whenever you win, you're also you lose. Because, I mean, a lot of people will be like, okay, well, if you win, you know, let's say $3,000, and you $300, that's $2,700 you're still up. Yeah, 100% in that one exact instance. But if you are trying to make it as a tournament player and you're trying to be a positive EV player, then you're only going to win so many tournaments. So if they're already being highly raked, and then on top of that, when you do hit, you're giving up a ton, like a ton of the, uh, the money, it's very difficult. I can't, like I would say, like 20% would be ridiculous to me. So I'd say maybe 10%. I'd say maybe even less than 10%. I don't I don't know. I mean, it would really help if I knew how the dealers were getting paid. I mean, like obviously they make an hourly rate when they're dealing cash, but it would have to be more for tournaments, right? I don't know for a fact. Uh God, we need I need to I'm going to run this by some of the dealers I know cuz I in all honesty, I have no idea how they do it. I don't know if it's a if every poker room does it differently or if it's, you know, kind of a set thing. I know the rooms don't make as much on tournaments, so do you think the dealers are just not getting paid that much on tournaments at all? And then, you know, it's one of those things you just kind of have to do if you want to, you know, be a dealer for the cash games as well. Maybe. You said the rooms don't make as much money with tournaments? I, I was thinking for sure the dealers don't make as much money, but the rooms don't either, you've heard? No, I don't think that's... Uh, just because the tournaments are highly raked, they're still not... They're still not like cash cows. Because you got to think you're... Let's say... Okay, let's say a tournament is a $100 entry. Okay. Let's say it's raked at $25 a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not... I mean, yeah, it's that's a high rake. That's, a, you know, a 25%. It sounds horrible for the player, but here's the thing is, that's $25 for the entire time of a tournament that's taking long as hell. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, versus a $12 an hour charge where all the players are there, I mean, that's, it, it's not profitable usually. It's not very profitable for the rooms. I won't say they're not making a profit, but definitely not as much as cash games, I believe. Interesting, but I was just—I thought that was a really interesting um, kind of thing, not really knowing how much to tip. I mean, I really don't know the etiquette of tipping after the tournament. I've always—I've given an amount that I just thought was right. I guess I think it—I think it ends up being around ten percent. I don't know. It seems like a lot to me. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm under tipping. I don't know. Uh. I think anything more than that would just be a gigantic amount of chunk of your winnings. And I think any less of that, I'd feel kind of guilty. I guess here's something we could do. Um, anyone with any insider information, you could shoot us a message on Instagram on the Texas Poker Podcast. And we'd read it and maybe even see what you uh, kind of see what people are saying about it. Yeah, you can actually uh, say if you're a player or a dealer too. Because yeah. why, why do I feel like like <laughs> there's going to be some that'll be like. 20% at least the dealers work their asses off and then some players would be like 4%. <laughs> I mean, you, unless you want to be completely negative EV, I feel like a but yeah, it's I feel like we're going to get way two different perspectives on this one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> right, the dealers just leave the prize pool take the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're doing it for the win. <laughs> How do you feel cuz like Okay, I know, like, after a great cash game session, it's better because you win so much and enjoyable. But I still miss, even when it's not winning as much money, the finality of a tournament, knowing that I outlasted so many people. was It's a different feeling, right? 
it was definitely a different feeling. It was also a different feeling going just to hang out to have a good time and then come back home and go to sleep and then playing until one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? So that's uh, I, like it's something I kind of miss. I like uh, now it's all we almost always cash games, but like I say, those tournaments where you like you can watch the other players kind of drop off and go make that deep. The deep run in a tournament, I don't even care if it's a big tournament or not. It's still, I don't. There's, it's still such a fun experience. Yeah, I, I'd say one of the best parts is making the final table because I've made the final table um, a few times, and that is really cool watching. Um, you know, the two tables go like you're waiting less and less, and then the floor guy's walking back and forth, and the next player out's final table. That part's really cool. Yeah, this is why I try to get everybody who's getting into poker into tournaments first, is I feel like it's a more fun atmosphere, especially for less money. Because a win's a win. I mean, like, we play all kinds of games, sports and everything else, and that you're not getting paid for, but you still have that finality, you, but you get that win. That's a, something you get in tournaments that you just don't get. You don't get that finality in cash, no matter how good the cash is. And don't get me wrong, love a day where I just kill it on cash. <laughs> but there's never that finality of like, hey, I just beat everybody. I just beat 45 people out of this. Right. So I guess, but that was basically the end of my, my uh, Paramount run, my Paramount free roll run that night. That's nice. But uh, uh, earlier in the week, too, or I guess during the week as well, I also played three sessions and they both end up being, or all three end up being profitable, which was nice. Um, but man, sure to run across some strange characters. Um, whenever you're playing cash game at some of these rooms, God, you uh, like the variety of people you meet in poker is, I think one of the best things about poker and sometimes the worst things about poker but I enjoy just I enjoy meeting different people and less like the different the different characters you get. It sounds like you met one in particular, right? <laughs> so, okay, so I'm sitting there at um, what's it called at 52 playing cash, right? And um, some guy sits down next to me. And he goes, he first sits down. He goes, "Have you guys ever been to the zoo?" And I was like, "Huh." You know, like, I've been walking around the zoo for the last few hours since 10 in the morning. That's why I'm all sweaty and smell bad. <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, okay, whatever, man. I guess he didn't mention he was going with his wife and kids or anything like that. He's just, you got the impression he's just a random single dude just walking around the zoo and talking about it? He said he's currently looking for his future wife. Well... I guess the zoo's one place to. I guess that's one Tinder matchup. <laughs> one place you can look for that matchup. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so then we're sitting there playing, and he's talking to everyone, and um, then he was ordering food, and he was asking how you pay for the food, and then he looks over at the dealer, and he says, "Man, you guys have such great food. It'd be really cool if you guys sold cocaine here." Okay, well, that's, <laughs> I mean, if you have an opinion, I guess you voice it and see what happens, but that is, uh, you know, okay, but in all honesty, not the first time I've heard of a need or want for a cocaine at the table. I mean, seems, I mean, definitely not the first time I've seen that. Definitely the first time I think I've asked I've seen them ask a place to provide it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so then this player also, um, he was trying to make the case to the table and the dealer. He was saying that all the rooms in Houston are all, yeah, basically all of them now the champions is gone. Um, it's hand shuffle. And he doesn't like hand shuffle because he feels like hand shuffle. You have less, you're less likely to get good run of cards. Less likely to get a good run of cards because they're hand shuffled. So at this point, the dealer and I are rolling around on the ground laughing, right? I mean, definitely seems like, but I mean, at this point, like, I'm not sure you, like, you can explain, you know, the mathematics of a shuffle's a shuffle to somebody who is talking about running around the zoo 
in the middle of the day and asking for cocaine. So I, I, I don't know this. Uh, yeah, very, very, very true. I'm not sure that, uh, th- you know, that sounds about right at this point. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, very interesting character. Um, he's actually winning when I left. So, well, shit. I mean, well, yeah, it, poker's a game of variance. I've seen people drunk off their ass, making all the wrong moves, you know, kill the table. I mean, I mean, it, that's, I want that to happen every now and then because I want those players to remember that winning session. Yeah, I mean, I did have one hand that was memorable with him in the hand. Um, he was very deep stacked. He was on my right. And he ended up opening it up to like, I think it was like $25. And I had 6-4 suited. I made the call. And then the guy to my left, 3-bet. But he three bet it wasn't that big. It was like maybe sixty five. Okay. So and then the guy. So I was thinking, well, okay, this is an obvious fold if the original racer folds the guy to my um, right, right. Okay. He calls. They're both fairly deep. So I was like, well, this can't be the worst, worst. Mm, okay, so you're in for fifteen. He makes it fifty five. No, no, no. no, I'm in for. It was like twenty five. And for 25, he makes it 55? 65. So, okay, 40 more to call. How deep do you think they were? Um, I believe they both covered me, and I was probably... Mm, I was going to say maybe $800. Ooh. Yeah, this is going to be a tough justification here, I think. Well, let's not deal with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move that's on. A, that's a road we just won't cross. <laughs> yeah. So, let me get to the good part. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm assuming if we did the story, you make a call for 65 for another $40 for the uh, with a 4 6 suited. Yes. Oh, okay. The flop comes ace, king, four. I'm thinking. Jenga. We hit bottom pair with a flush draw. It was the ace and the king of spades. Oh, yeah. I had a pair and a flush draw. And a three-bet pot. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're definitely good here. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... But you had... you So you have the four with a flush draw. Yes. I mean, that's about as good as you can hope for, really. If you're playing four six suited... I don't know. This is kind of it's about as good as you can wish. <laughs> so, um, the pre-flop three better ends up making a pretty big bet. And um, give me a what pretty big bet like pot size? I believe so. Okay. And then I was looking at my kind of my uh, my stack to pot ratio. And I was thinking, well, I don't really. I mean, if I make this call, I'm basically committed anyway. Is okay. what I was thinking whenever I was looking at it. And, um, cause he bet pretty big. The guy behind called. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, well, what am I going to do here? Kind of thing. If I call, I mean, I'm going to face these two guys at the same time. I ended up going all in. How much more did you have over their bet? Mm, I don't remember. I remember I got snap called, though. I remember that. Okay. I mean, this can't be that bad. I mean, it, well, if here's your flush draw is good, I mean, you're getting 36%, and I mean, one to th- at least one to three on your money here right then and there, not including the odds in the of the rest of the pot. So this is not – this is actually pretty good. Uh, I get snap called, which is a little concerning. And um, the guy behind folds, right? We, uh, I only run it once, as you know. Well, I mean, it's concerning because you're never ahead here, but you know that. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's uh, it's not really a, whoa, the guy behind folds? Yes. So now it's heads okay. up. Um, immediately turn the spade, so I hit the flush. He just says, you're good. I show him the flush, he insta-mocks. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, that's what made the winning session, you know? I mean, he obviously has, like, ace-queen or something like that, I would assume, right here, or something something around that range. I was trying to get the information from him, but 
it was referred to as a donkey move calling with that hand. So I didn't. That's about all I got out of that. I feel like a set of aces or a set of kings like shows the table because everybody just does that when they get cooler that bad. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, at best, ace king, but probably like ace queen, ace jack, maybe. The good news is my uh, the guy who was on the hunt for cocaine was making the argument of how solid of a play it was. Oh <laughs> yeah, the that's guy. the guy you wanted your quarter. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking this hand was gonna die. They went on and argued about that play, that call for the next ten, fifteen minutes, which is an eternity. That is an eternity, especially for like when you're when the two people arguing it. One wasn't even in the hand. No, no, he was. He was the guy who got three bet. Oh, he was the guy who That's did? That's the okay. reason why I called with the 6-4, because he bet. I called his bet. He got three bet. He called the three bet. So then I was like, well, I can call the three bet, because this guy will probably pay me off. Yeah. Okay, well, like I say, it, for this one, it worked out. But, yeah, shocking. Uh, I don't know. I mean, definitely, definitely scares me that your play is now being defended by somebody who's walking around a zoo hunting for cocaine. So is that I'm not sure that that's where we want to be in our poker career. But at the end of the day, you did take that pot down, so we're going to be super results-oriented and say, good play. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, that was, I mean, that was basically the hand that defined the session. So, I mean, it was memorable. wasn't the best-played hand. <laughs> but, you know, dragging the pot is dragging the pot, right? So. I mean, shit, you, guess what? Whether you play it good or not, the money spends exactly the same. <laughs> so I ended up leaving and I ended up, you know, being up this week. So how did you end up running? Uh, pretty good. I actually had to look back at this week. I forgot when the the last two sessions I did not do too well. Uh, and then but I forgot Wednesday. I actually had a pretty decent profit. I mean, I made about six sixty. I ended up probably with a profit of about 300 this week. So not the worst. Uh, now here's the problem. is just like you. That that uh, 660 night, no skill whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I played like shit. <laughs> I mean, the cooler you put on someone, I mean, I was like, oh, that's so dirty. Whenever you text me, <laughs> this hand you're going to tell them. Oh, God. So... I have Jack Queen. I mean, this wasn't played badly, but it was just so lucky. I have Jack Nine. Uh, I don't remember. I probably raised. I was Jack Nine suited. I probably raised it, and then uh, it gets called. I think three ways. I flop the nut straight. Oh, not the the second nut straight. Uh, it comes seven, eight, ten. Wait, no, it would no, have to be. No. It would have to be. Um, it would have to be ten. Um, it would have to be ten, queen, king. King. That's yeah. it. Okay, you're right. Uh, ten. Yeah, ten king queen. I flop a straight. I'm like, I'm going to eat somebody's lunch here. Uh, I bet small call. Uh, and then somebody uh, folds. I bet the turn. Which was a nothing turn, get re raised all in. Uh, he doesn't have that much more than me. He has like a hundred something more. He has like a hundred, hundred fifty more than me. Mm-hmm. I've got second nuts. I, I'm like, dude, if you got me, you got me. I'm not folding second nuts here with this with this stack size, but it's still a lot of money. Right, because spot. the actual nuts was ace, ace jack. jack. Right. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, call. He shows down ace jack. I'm like, oh god, this is what it is. <laughs> and the river is a beautiful fucking ace that just like, oh my god. I was like, oh, talk about save my ass. <laughs> oh man. Which comes into play later because again, this session, I, I played like horrible. I mean, it was just shit. So. I'm kind of bouncing around. I'm up a little bit. I'm probably up like a hundred, hundred twenty bucks. I mean, I am, I am playing like small pots pretty decently, but nothing great. I get in this high low hand that is just, it's so bad. Uh, I flop three pair in this high low hand. 
There's no flush. There's no straight. Uh, I had it was I had a really good high low hand, so I raised it pre flop, and I I bet the hell out of this flop. I I like pot it, and there's two calls, and it blows this pot up pretty big, and I'm like, oh god, yeah, this, this is probably bad. This is probably not good. The turn brings a straight. I check immediately. There's an all in. Followed by, there's a jam all in, followed by another jam all in. So your heart just sank. So my heart sinks so badly. But I am looking at all this money. And then on top of this, I can't count my outs. For some reason, I thought I had three outs on every pair I had. Thinking, I guess there's five (laughs) fucking eights in the deck on every single one of them. Thinking I had like nine outs. Still not even being able to justify a call with that. Completely miscalculated. I had six outs. Uh, and I'm like, well, the pot's big. I call. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm like, I tell everybody, I hate this spot. And then sure enough, an ace comes on the uh, river hitting the uh the hand I had and giving me the absolute nuts and I scoop like a seven hundred dollar pot on a fucking out that I mean on a pot I should not have been on on that turn so I mean like I say I just luck boxed my way into a win and they both had the straight correct they both had the nut straight it would have been great if you would have looked up to all of them and be like I have nine outs once, and the pot is big. And they're like, what hand do you have where you have nine outs? And then just show the six outs. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, it was, well, really in all honesty, I mean, I was like, well, I had three pairs. But, I mean, even then, they have to be like, this jackass. So what? I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, it was a horrible, horribly played. But, you know what? Whatever. I got lucky. Had a, had a decent night. Uh, later that week, I go find a game, which is kind of a weird spot here. Tell me what you think of this. So, it's latest shit. I'm looking, I'm kind of looking for a game, because College Station at this point has four rooms, and, like, nobody can seem to make a game, because everybody's splitting the player pool. I find one, come in, they're, like, running seven-handed. So I'm like, okay, I go there like midnight or something, and we start playing. But sure enough, like people leave very soon after I get there. It's a, uh, and we get down to four handed. They then announce that they're gonna charge more because we're short handed. I get super offended. Like usually it's a rake reduction when you're short handed, not. Well, we're gonna charge you more for this shit game that you're in. Yeah. Um. Okay. Wait. Wait. So, <laughs> did anybody ask for a rake reduction? Well, no. Nobody asked for a rake reduction, and I'm not even expecting that. But they're like, so the the hourly charge is ten dollars an hour. Right. Uh, they said because they're shorthanded at four players. That they have to, they need to, they at that point are going to charge $12 an hour. Well, I mean, as you and I both know, whenever we're deciding where to play at, the hourly rate is a factor for sure, right? Absolutely. Um, so I was kind of thinking about what you were saying whenever this happened to you. I mean, I would be, I would leave just because I'm not paying the extra break to play a shorthanded game, right? Yeah, well, well, there's that factor is one of them, but also, okay, so one player says, well, it's only a $1 every half hour. I told him, I'm like, I, I'm, we're sitting here barely making this game. Uh, I don't care if it's 25 cents every half hour. I, f- I find it offensive. I'm like, if... I mean, I'll just get up and leave at that point if that's if that's the case, which I did. I mean, once the uh, we paid for time and uh, once that thirty minutes hit, I just left. But I just found it super offensive to be four players barely making this game, and they charge more. 
Okay, but here's kind of the point I was kind of thinking about earlier. So that there's only one table running, obviously. And I'm sure they have a, a minimum price that they have to keep the lights on, right? That they have to make a certain amount of money with that one table or else it's not worth it. They're losing money, correct? Okay, I can get behind that. Right, so they have to, because at 52, they do the rake break, but they have multiple tables going, right? right. So they can do a rake break for a short game while you wait for players or um, open seats for these players to go pay full rake. But if it's only one table and they're losing money, they kind of have to do something. You can't keep a game running all night while you're losing money. Are they losing money, though? They have to, They have to know what they're... Because I know when we played at Paramount, whenever it would be one table, they had, I don't remember if it was five or six people paying, um, that they would keep it running all night long, as long as we had five players, I think it was. Right? But as soon as it dropped to four, basically what happened, which is, I like how they handled it at Paramount way more than what you're referring to. Okay. I've been there when the game drops to four. The floor comes up, they said, alright guys, we only have four people. If you guys want to keep playing we'll have to charge more an hour and we'll stay open, right? Because we have to have that money coming in for it to be worth it for us to keep it open, right? Or we can wait 30 minutes. If no one shows up, we break the game. It's up to you guys. I like that way more. It seems very fair. It seems very fair. I, I, I Okay, I kind of like the way it's explained there better. Uh... And I guess even if you said, like, hey, you know, it's four, like, once we get down to four or something, we're going to break, I'd be okay, I guess. I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I found that kind of weird that at four they would charge more. I guess because I've been, for so long in Houston, I mean, or Vegas, I've never seen it go higher. It's always been a rake reduction. And to pay more to play a crappier game, I guess to that degree, then yeah, it's obviously they're not making as much money as eight people who are playing who are paying ten dollars an hour as for a table that are paying you know four for four dollars an hour or are four four at ten dollars an hour. Right. So. Well, I'm sure they have the number set that they, you know, because I think at Paramount it was five players paying the regular rake. We'll stay open all night, right, to let you guys play because that's worth it, I guess, to whatever number they need. But I'm sure they know if there's three players playing the regular rake that they're losing money being there, and that's not, I mean, that's not how you run a good business is losing money by the hour. I mean, I guess, I guess the way they explain it, I guess for me it's the same result because even the way they Paramount explains it, like I'm still probably getting up. I mean, I'm just never gonna pay a higher time fee a higher well not rake but a higher time fee for a shorthanded less of a game oh i mean i told him that i'm for sure gonna leave at the end of the 30 minutes if no one else shows up i'm not gonna pay the extra money and everyone was bummed but i told him i mean it's five in the morning five thirty in the morning it's time for me to go home that's well i mean that's the other thing is like a four-handed uh, like a four-handed table i'm not really that psyched to be playing it anyways so, I'm definitely not going to be, you know, paying more for it. I, like, I like the way they explain it a little bit better. Uh, but, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, I just, uh, for me, it's the same result. I'm just never going to pay more to play at a shorthanded lesser of a game. I guess, well, we did talk about this last weekend, or last week on the podcast. A guy showed up who was just a super whale. And I did, actually, I did sit there and pay more. I mean, if if someone comes in and they're spilling $600 on a four-handed table just every 30 minutes, I guess I can chip in an extra dollar every half hour. <laughs> that's funny, because that's what Jonathan Little uh, would say, like, on his podcast, that every rake is beatable depending on the game. Yeah, it's, because uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of offended they charged more that time, too. But, I mean, I was definitely not getting up at that point. So, I guess it's dependent. It's, uh, but I didn't care for that. There's, with it being so competitive there, uh, I was kind of offended. And then, 
it's funny. I saw I was looking at Trooper's uh, vlog, who I've gotten to really like his vlogs. Not a great, not as a poker vlog, but just as a Vegas vlog for the most part. Uh, it's a, and they were at Circa World Resorts. It just opened in Vegas. Can't wait to go there and try that new poker room. I love that that new casino has a poker room. Uh, and they're playing, and he's uh, they go down to five players, and the the person asks, "Hey, can we get a rake reduction?" The dealer says, you know, I don't know how to do that. Seems weird. So he says, like, ten minutes later, like, somebody asks again for it. And the dealer's like, I don't know how to do that rake thing. So he's looks at him and he's like, you don't know how to do, take rake? They're like, no. It's like, well, you probably shouldn't be taking rake then. I'm like, at least everybody's running into this weird shorthanded crap at, at, at this point. <laughs> Well, I mean, that one seems even stranger to me is, I mean, okay, like, I understand that the poker rooms need to make money to keep the lights on this stuff, but the casino, I mean, they're, the slots are right next to the poker room, so they're making plenty of money, right? But how does the dealer not know how to do the rake? Like I mean, a... they're, they're doing the math. I hope they're doing the math while we're playing the hand, right? I mean, you take... I think what is it? Like a rate reduction, you're just taking a dollar less than you normally would, right? I mean, that would be fine, but I mean, for sure, I would hope they could figure out whatever the rake is minus one. <laughs> I mean, I could probably seems help like them a rough out. job. Seems like a dealing in Vegas has got to be pretty easy <laughs> if that's if that's a huge problem there. I mean, I don't know if maybe it was an excuse just not to do it, but if it is. That's a piss poor excuse that you can't subtract one from five. <laughs> <laughs> so if we have to, we can Google it. But... Yeah. Well, let's get some Wikipedia up out of here. Well, I mean, if I was one of those players, though, for sure I'd just call the floor over. I'm not messing with the dealer with that. That's true. I, he didn't mention what happened there, but I was, uh, I found it funny that somebody ran into, I mean, shit, at least. They just said they weren't doing a rake reduction. I mean, I want to see. I want to see his reaction. I'm like, no, but we're gonna take an extra two dollars out because, eh, <laughs> it's five people. I don't know. I don't want to deal to five people, so I'm just gonna take a little bit more of the rake out. So that at least at least he had a little bit better than experience than I did over there. So, uh, but I can't wait to check out that poker room. A new. No new poker rooms have come to Vegas in a while that I know of, so I'm really psyched about that. Right, because when are you going? You're actually leaving this weekend, right? Yeah, July 5th is when I leave for Vegas for almost eight days. It's going to be real weird recording the podcast when you're in Vegas. Ooh, that is going to be weird, <laughs> but I'll have some stories when we come back. Right, absolutely. I guess, though, you know, you going to Vegas, us playing this week, We'll come back next week. So this concludes episode 12 of the Texas Poker Podcast. We're out. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.